they pretty much kept to themselves and you know it's tragic what happened with the kids a scene of heartache and hopelessness in hamilton a cruel end to the year for a family and neighborhood left shattered by an unthinkable loss four people killed as flames tear through a townhome two of the victims children good evening Witnesses ran to help, but there was little they could do. The fire was moving too fast. Adding to this tragedy, investigators do not believe the home had working smoke alarms. CTV's Andrew Brennan is live at the scene on Derby Street with more. Andrew. Well, Zoraida and Nathan, we're learning more about the occupants of this home, including the family that had lived there. And according to family friends, it understood tragedy and loss before, but now a third generation has had members taken in the span of a year. I can't even bear it, to be honest with you. I can't even read through this. On Christmas, Juliana Tavares says she came with gifts for the kids living here. Now she's returned to a home gutted and charred. I just want peace for those kids, and I don't want them, everyone to know how beautiful they really were. The mother, she says, and another tenant also died. The father made it out, and Tavares says she's spoken with him that her friend is traumatized but physically okay. A second man was also rescued. Neighbors saw one of them jump from the second story. You can't even describe it. Just saw black smoke billowing out of their place and that. And it's just a horrible, tragic scene that happened. And uh, when one of them was trying to jump, we heard little kids' voices in the background saying, save us. But the children's rooms were at the back of the house, above where the Ontario Fire Marshal says the flames first ignited and quickly spread, engulfing much of the building. There is no evidence of uh, working smoke alarms in the house. Obviously, the rest of the material that's in the house will have to be processed, and that'll actually uh, tell us whether there actually was alarms in there. But at this time, there's uh, uh, no evidence of uh, smoke alarms working. Neighbors and Tavares say the family had its challenges. The father's brother and mother, who first lived in the home, died in the last year. Tavares says the building owner had been trying to evict them, but the family did their best. Just trying to survive what we've all gone through the past few years in COVID and the loss that they had with the brother and mother. Now a father has to deal with the loss of his children and their mother. He's absolutely devastated. We all are. Now, after making the announcement that from the fire marshals that there was no working smoke alarm believed to be in this unit, firefighters from Hamilton Fire Services went around the block to each home, giving new working smoke alarms to our units to ensure that a tragedy like this would not happen again here. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Nathan, we'll send it back to you inside. Right. Thank you, Andrew. And our online team is keeping track of every development from this horrific story. Our continuing coverage is at ctvnewstoronto.ca. Next to a developing situation in Mississauga, shots ringing out in the middle of the day, the gunfire fatal. The violence met with shock and concern from those living in the area. CTV's John Woodward is live near Brass Winds Place with more. John. Nathan, as you say, a shocking scene, especially for the people who discovered the body we spoke to, and they were even more surprised that the apparent suspect stuck around. A boy was shot today just outside. A shocking scene at this Mississauga park, the aftermath recorded on video by concerned neighbors. Oh my God, it was, it was one of the worst things that I've ever seen. Sandra Abuwala said she was walking her dog in the park. Bella. 
about 11.10, we heard a pop. She came across a group of people and a body. There was a young man who was lying on the ground and he was shot in his face. This man said he was the first to stumble across the scene. I, when I went to the bridge, I saw there was some person lying flat on the bridge and I thought to myself, this is not right. And the pictures Abuwala took show another man clad in black who appeared to be very emotional as he paced on a bridge in Fletcher's Flats, talking on his phone. We could see the person pacing for quite some time, for about, for about 15 minutes. And then, I mean, the cops came and they actually handcuffed him and they took him away. Police swarmed the area. A spokesperson said a young man in his 20s is dead and the police arrested one person. Uh, we do have an adult male suspect in custody. And it's my understanding that we do not believe there to be any outstanding suspects at this time. Officers spent much time outside a house that borders the park. It's not clear yet what the connection is. The whole thing very scary for the people who live in this otherwise quiet neighborhood. I'm still concerned though because now I just don't know, you know, was it, is it was a one-off close to home? Was it just a, something gone wrong? Don't know. Yeah, that it was it was horrible. Sort of emotionally, it's one of the worst things that I've ever experienced in my life here. Abu Wallace says she might not walk her dog there again after dark. Peel Regional Police remain at the scene. You can see the mobile command center they've set up behind me. As for the identities or charges, no word on that yet. Reporting live from Mississauga, I'm John Woodward. Solemn and somber pausing to honor a young OPP officer killed in the line of duty. The body of Constable Greg Perschella taken by procession to bury today. His funeral is set to be held next week. CTV Siobhan Morris is live with more. Siobhan. Well, Zoraida, from here in Toronto all the way up to his hometown of Barrie, we saw an outpouring of support and anguish for the way that Constable Greg Perschella's life ended, a life that had been so full of promise. Outside the Centre of Forensic Sciences in North York, a tribute to a young life taken too soon in the line of duty. Greg was 28 years old, just over a year on the job, and, uh, you know, um, my heart's broken. All of our hearts are broken. We're, we're all stumbling. Police officers from Toronto, the OPP, paramedics and firefighters came to see Constable Greg Prashella off on his journey home. This young officer is, is one of the police officers that every single day get up and put their uniforms on and come to work as our guardians and our protectors. And when something as tragic and terrible as this happens, the least we can do is be here to, uh, to pay our respects. A procession traveled from Toronto to Priscilla's hometown of Barrie, where his dream of becoming a police officer sprouted. Community pain on display on overpasses above Highway 400. It's where former OPP officers remembered their early days. The times we, we went through, and this, this call was a simple call. Uh, it just, uh, as our commissioner has said, this, this shouldn't have happened. Priscilla should have been celebrating this week after learning his on-the-job probation was over. Instead, a solemn, silent homecoming. The alleged ambush of the young officer by someone with a history of violent crime out on bail has renewed calls for reform. In many cases, not all, uh, it involves people who are, who are out walking the streets over and over and over again, uh, and there's something wrong with that system. Mayor John Tory is promising more investments in community policing. It's the kind of work Priscilla's former wrestling coach feels he was destined for. You need compassion, you need 
you, you need to be in touch with the community. You, you need you need to, to to get to know the people. And and he had that smile, one that would get him in those doors, and that personality that you know he carried. A gentle, selfless soul who'd committed to helping young wrestlers even when it wasn't convenient. And he said he was going to do it on a regular basis if he could. And, you know, we were going to wait until after, um, after his probation. But it just didn't happen. The funeral for Constable Greg Prashala is set for Wednesday. It's expected it will be at the OHL arena in Barrie. That same arena hosted uh, a funeral for two other officers killed in the line of duty just two months ago. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Zoraida, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. And Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is joining the call to reform federal bail policies. He says it's an important part of keeping Canadians safe. We're not talking about minor offenders who make a small mistake in their youth. We're talking about the repeat violent offenders that are taking the lives of our people, that are engaging in repeat carjackings, stranger attacks, and in the worst cases, killing of police officers. Recently, the federal Liberals have focused their efforts on expanding Canada's assault weapons ban. Conservatives and gun rights advocates say the policy goes too far and impacts commonly used hunting rifles and shotguns. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says the gun bill is being fine-tuned to address those concerns. A man in his 50s is dead after a wrong-way crash on the 401 in Pickering. It happened early this morning in the westbound lanes near Brock Road. Police say a vehicle was driving in the wrong direction and collided with several other cars. A 55-year-old man in a separate vehicle was pronounced dead at the scene. The alleged driver going the wrong way, a 25-year-old from Whitby, faces several charges, including impaired driving. A 28-year-old from Ajax in a third vehicle suffered serious injuries. And the Toronto Police Association released a statement sharing more details on the crash, and it reads... We were shocked and saddened to learn of the collision that took place early this morning, seriously injuring one of our recruits. The cadet was on his way to a training session when he was struck by an alleged drunk driver. Members of the TPA executive attended the hospital this morning to support the cadet and his family. We are hopeful for a full recovery. We'll have more news in a moment, but first, here's a look outside right now, shaping up to be a damp and mild end to the year. In fact, Environment Canada is going one step further, issuing a rainfall warning for Toronto. CTV's Michelle Jobit is here now with what we need to know. So if we're going out for New Year's Eve, we're going to have to pack the umbrella. Now, the good news is, Zaretta, that by the evening tomorrow, things should wrap up. However, between now and then, we're going to see an abundance of rainfall. And we've already started to see that move into the area. Uh, we have this rainfall warning that has been issued. You can see quite a wide swath here, and it's going to be heaviest rain as we get into tomorrow, I would say, late morning into the early afternoon. But 20 to 35 millimeters of rain entirely possible here in most of the GTA. Uh, we do have special weather stations for areas like Hamilton, Niagara, extending over towards Prince Edward County that'll see a little bit less, 15 to 25. So when you combine the fact that ground is still frozen, even though it's mild, the mild weather is melting existing snowfall and then we have heavy rain falling relatively quickly and in a condensed period of time that is a recipe for flooding concerns so be aware of that it's also very mild we broke a record today uh, for previous record was 10.2 degrees that was in 2019 uh, this southwesterly flow got us up to almost 13 degrees today we're at 11 right now in Pearson eight overnight I'll have more details coming up back to you Nathan all right thank you Michelle 
There's also concern about flooding south of the border as Buffalo residents dig out from last weekend's deadly blizzard. The storm that claimed at least 40 lives in western New York dumped over a meter of snow in some areas. Now, temperatures are set to spike to plus 10 by next week. With rain expected over the coming days, Erie County officials say they're preparing for the flood threat by digging drainage ditches for the snowmelt. Pumps, hoses and generators are also being stockpiled. Sunwing Airlines is trying to stabilize its operations after days of chaos prompted by last week's winter storm. The company says it is sending dozens of flights to Mexico to bring home stranded passengers. At the same time, Sunwing is halting all of its operations in Saskatchewan. It says it is canceling trips from Saskatoon and Regina's airports due to, quote, extenuating circumstances, and it is working to get all impacted travelers home. And smoother skies today for passengers flying on Southwest Airlines. The Dallas-based carrier canceled thousands of flights each day this week after the winter storm. So far, only 1% of the airline's trips were canceled today. U.S. federal regulators have vowed a vigorous review of what happened at Southwest because it was impacted far worse than any other American airline. Southwest CEO, CEO that told ABC's Good Morning America today, He's extremely sorry for the impact on customers and employees over the holidays. And with COVID-19 seeing a massive surge in China, some countries are putting testing rules back in place. Japan once again requiring negative tests from all passengers arriving from China, India and Italy have begun their own testing policies for travelers from China. The U.S., U.K., France and Spain have made similar announcements. Some health experts say travel restrictions can only do so much to stop the spread. Canada's public health agency says it is monitoring the situation in China, but new measures have, no new measures rather, have been announced. After years of legal and political wrangling, the U.S. Congress has published former President Donald Trump's tax returns. The documents show Trump paid little to no taxes for several years while he was in the Oval Office. CTV's Vanessa Lee with the details. A U.S. House committee has released Donald Trump's taxes from 2015 to 2020, despite his best efforts to keep them under wraps. The documents raising questions about his campaign, that as a successful businessman, he was the best choice to run America. During the year of his 2016 presidential campaign, Trump claimed a net loss of $32 million, paying just $750 in federal income tax, a sum he also paid in 2017, contradicting his own claims. Will you tell us how much you paid in federal income taxes in 2016 and 2017? Millions of dollars. This is someone who has made a real effort at saying he represents the average American, you know, the, the regular working person. Um, someone who, you know, is a billionaire who doesn't pay any taxes doesn't really look like that. In 2018, the total income of the former president and first lady went up to more than $24 million, And they paid nearly a million dollars in taxes in both 2018 and 2019 combined. While past presidents have made their tax information public, Trump had refused, waging a legal battle to keep them secret that went all the way to the Supreme Court. Top Republicans are standing firm with Trump, who is mounting a 2024 re-election bid. Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee have uh, unleashed a dangerous new political weapon. In a statement, Trump says the returns show how successful he has been and warns the public release will now deepen the political divide. 
Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Washington. Also south of the border, a suspect is in custody in connection with the murders of four students at the University of Idaho. Detectives arrested 28-year-old Brian Christopher Kohlberger in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, on a warrant for murders of Ethan, Zena, Madison, and Kaylee. 28-year-old Brian Koberger was taken into custody in northeast Pennsylvania and is awaiting extradition to Idaho. The four victims were found stabbed to death in their beds more than a month ago. Ukraine's president says his country's forces are holding their positions against Russian troops in the eastern Donbass region. In his nightly video address, Volodymyr Zelensky says Ukrainian troops are even advancing a bit in some areas. He also says Ukraine has strengthened its anti-aircraft capability as Russia continues to shell communities along the front line. Back in this country, Canada's Competition Bureau is appealing the Competition Tribunal's dismissal of its case against Rogers' takeover of Shaw. The telecoms say the Bureau will also apply for an injunction to block the deal from closing until an appeal is heard. The tribunal released a summary of its decision yesterday, stating it found the merger was not likely to result in higher prices for wireless customers in Western Canada and that it was satisfied the plan to sell Shaw's Freedom Mobile to Quebec Corps' Videotron was adequate in ensuring competition isn't substantially reduced. That decision had cleared a path for the deal to go ahead, requiring approval from the federal industry minister. An injunction, if granted, would push the closing date beyond January 31st. With more on the timeline, here's BNM Bloomberg's Paul Bagnall. The news landed early on the morning of March 15, 2021, and immediately turned heads. Two of the biggest telcos in Canada were planning to combine in a sector-altering deal. Here's part of the cannibalism right here in terms of consolidation with respect to the space. We need to all go in eyes wide open in a transaction like this. I think the synergies, are, to me, look very achievable, and I think the market would buy into that as well. Rogers Communications and Shaw Communications announced a friendly transaction in which Rogers would buy Shaw for $20 billion, or $40.50 per Shaw share, and take on $6 billion worth of Shaw debt. Right off the bat, the market knew this takeover would face some tough regulatory scrutiny. In a country where the price of wireless service is a perennial hot-button issue, politicians and regulators weren't going to give this deal an easy ride. The two companies certainly knew that. The deal announcement was laden with sweeteners, clearly intended to win over the federal government and regulators. Rogers said it would invest $6.5 billion in Western Canada to build out 5G networks and connect underserved and Indigenous communities. But Ottawa was not convinced the deal would benefit Canadians, particularly those in Western Canada where Shaw is most active. Industry Minister François-Philippe Champagne said he would not allow Rogers to buy Shaw's entire wireless business, most of it branded as Freedom Mobile. I will not allow the wholesale transfer of licenses from, from Shaw to Rogers. Uh, what we need in this country is more competition, more affordability. Canada's broadcasting regulator, the CRTC, approved Rogers' purchase of Shaw's broadcast distribution assets, cable, satellite and IPTV, despite opposition to the deal from a key Rogers competitor, BCE. BCE is the parent of BNN Bloomberg. The most significant foe of the deal, Matthew Boswell, Canada's competition commissioner, filed an application to block the transaction, arguing the takeover would mean higher prices for consumers. Rogers got the message. 
buying Freedom Mobile was a non-starter. And in June, Rogers and Shaw agreed to sell Freedom Mobile to Quebecor, which provides wireless service in Quebec under its Videotron banner. We also propose to divest of Freedom Wireless to another wireless operator that would create an even stronger fourth wireless operator. So networks in Canada would have even more diversity. By purchasing Freedom, Quebecor would expand its wireless business substantially into large swaths of B.C., Alberta and Ontario. And a sale of Freedom would make the Rogers-Shaw combination centered almost entirely on Internet and cable television services. Champagne, the industry minister, says he's willing to approve the takeover, provided the sale of Freedom to Quebecor goes ahead and that Quebecor abides by certain conditions. Quebecor quickly agreed to those conditions. But Boswell never budged. The competition commissioner insists a Quebecor-owned Freedom Mobile would be beholden to Rogers for certain wireline network services that wireless providers require, making Freedom a less-than-robust competitor. The proposed divestiture would create an unprecedented relationship of dependence between a big three competitor and Videotron. Videotron is a regional player without a track record or detailed market knowledge of Western Canada. Rogers and Shaw countered that the new Rogers would be a much stronger competitor to TELUS, the Vancouver-based giant, in the Internet and television services markets. A Rogers takeover of Shaw would be pro-competitive, they insisted, not anti-competitive. And a senior Shaw executive even said the takeover was necessary to Shaw's survival. He said Shaw didn't see a, quote, viable path forward as a standalone company. The hearing concluded on December 14th. Paul Bagnell, BNN Bloomberg. And both BNN, Bloomberg and CTV are divisions of Bell Media. The Vatican says former Pope Benedict's condition is, quote, stable. In a statement, the Vatican said the 95-year-old Pope Emeritus had a peaceful night and participated in a mass celebrated in his room yesterday afternoon. On Wednesday, Pope Francis disclosed that his predecessor was, quote, very sick. The former head of the Catholic Church is being cared for in a monastery on Vatican grounds. Pope Francis has asked for continued prayers for Benedict, a call that many are answering. I am praying for him intensely. In fact, I just came from night duty from the hospital. I'm a medical doctor, and I came straight from work. I've not gone home to sleep. I just came here to pray for him so that God will accompany him. He needs all of us at this time. Vatican observers say it's not clear what will happen upon Benedict's death, as it's been a long time since a former pope has passed away. Benedict stepped down in 2013, citing his advanced age. In Brazil, preparations are underway in Pele's hometown for the soccer legend's funeral. Tents have been set up in a stadium in the city of Santos as Brazil takes part in several days of national mourning. Pele died on Thursday at the age of 82. He rose from poverty to become one of the best-known athletes in modern history. Manchester City manager Pep Guardiola says Pele's impact on the beautiful game cannot be overstated. Before number 10, it was just a number. And after him, it was became something like a, something special. Every player, a top player, wanna wanna wear the n t number ten in in own team. So, but well, he has done for football is, you know, is is there and always will remain. Pele had been undergoing treatment for colon cancer at a hospital in Sao Paulo. His wake will take place on Monday at the stadium in Santos. He will be buried in a private ceremony on Tuesday. 
Governor General Mary Simon released her New Year's message today, reflecting on 2022 and looking ahead to 2023. A more inclusive country. We can talk to each other to better understand each other and respect our different views. We can improve the lives of others by being generous, innovative, thoughtful, and courteous. We can renew our relationship with indigenous peoples and with the land. As this year ends, I encourage you to reach out to our friends and neighbors, to tell our own stories, dreams, and plans for our future, full of hope, full of light. The governor general said 2022 was a year that brought Canadians together from the death of Queen Elizabeth to deadly incidents in several communities to the discovery of more unmarked graves. She said 2022 was a year of reconciling the past and the present with the promise of the future. Later tonight, sweet recognition how an Aurelia woman's chocolate concoction rose to the challenge, winning an international award. We are under a rainfall warning here in Toronto and for much of the GTA. The good news is, is that by the time we get to tomorrow night, that should start to taper off. And by midnight, we're looking around four degrees to ring in 2023 with some foggy conditions. Foggy conditions on the road is not tonight as well, so be careful out there on the roads. I'll have your full forecast coming up. While snow cleanup continues in Buffalo, community members banded together to offer shoveling help to residents in need. Early people that are still kind of snowed in, they've plowed the streets, but they have not been able to get to these folks in their homes. Dozens of people answered the call to help on Thursday, creating what one flyer called a snowplow mafia to clear out driveways, walkways and streets. Some residents were surprised when the snow shovelers arrived, but they say the help was welcome. Well, things are certainly different here I'm in kidding. the city. I'm wondering about New Year's. Big plans? Doing anything? I'm staying home. I'm staying <laughs> indoors, you know, with some family over, which will be nice. But I, I'm wondering about people going out, mm -hmm. whether or not they're going to be, you know, in raincoats or what it's going to be like. You know, certainly it'll be milder, though not as mild as it is tonight. Rain is a big thing that we need to talk about between now and I would certainly say early to mid-afternoon tomorrow. And certainly we could get some showers here and there for tomorrow night. It should wrap up, however, by late evening and definitely as we ring in 2023. But lots to talk about before we get there because we are under a rainfall warning here in the city of Toronto and for most of the GTA and really for most of southern Ontario. So I will show you that in a moment. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So temperatures have been a big part of the story so far. We did, in fact, as I mentioned, break a record today, 12.9 degrees. That was shattering really the earlier record set in 2019 of 10.2 degrees. Many other communities breaking records as well. And this is all part of the issue. Right now, we're still sitting at 11 degrees at Pearson, 10 at Windsor, uh, 6 in Trenton. It's a little bit cooler downtown Toronto and certainly at the Island Airport. 
watches and warnings, this is what's in place right now. So I want everyone to know that we can expect heavy rainfall and foggy conditions, not only tonight, but tomorrow night. So when addressing the fog, and there's particularly a fog advisory for the Muskoka region, I want everyone to be careful out of the roads. Visibility will be reduced. Roads will be slippery because they're raining as well. Areas in green here, 20 to 35 millimeters of rain or 30 once we get further to the east. If you're in Niagara region, Kingston, Prince Edward County, places that have had a lot of snow, uh, you're at 15 to 25. There is a wide, there are widespread flooding concerns issued either municipally or provincially uh, by those authorities because when we get frozen ground and of course heavy rainfall, melting snow, all of that together, the water is increased and it has nowhere to go because of the frozen ground. So we've seen that rain move in already into the area. Uh, basically really going to be intensifying along the warm front and with the low as it moves in tomorrow. So definitely watch how this plays out. Some showers tonight, again, fog conditions around eight degrees through the overnight period and then watch tomorrow morning as we get in it's much heavier especially between I would say 8 a.m. and I would say 1 p.m. then we start to clear out there is the risk of still seeing some showers here and there foggy for New Year's Eve and then we get some clearing for Sunday we could get some scattered precipitation though we're a little bit cooler so tonight eight degrees should be minus eight this time of the year Eight for tomorrow, holding pretty steady there until we get to the evening. Our overnight low for Saturday into Sunday, New Year's Eve into New Year's Day, will be two, then going up to five degrees with some sunshine on New Year's Day. Staying mild for Monday at seven degrees, Tuesday up to 11. And then after the passage of the system that brings us rain on Tuesday, we start to cool down after that. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Well, Zoraida and I may not have big plans, but final preparations are being made for a night of New Year's Eve celebrations in Toronto. Two fireworks displays are planned for the waterfront, and you'll be able to see the displays anywhere you can see the inner harbour. Joining us now is Gene Holmes, the programming manager for the City of Toronto Cultural Events. Gene, thanks for joining us. Is this the first time since the pandemic that we've had a large-scale event like this planned? It's the first time that we've been able to uh, invite so many people to be part of uh, the events that we're producing. We've been producing, uh, we started in the fall with uh, Nuit Blanche and, uh, you know, our great Cavalcade of Lights exhibition. And there's been lots of festivals throughout the, the season. Uh, but this giant kind of celebration is really going to be uh, a great way to mark kind of the end of 22 and the move to 23 and to what we hope are brighter days ahead. Yeah, no doubt. So for those who want to check it out, what can they expect? Well, uh, there's a it's a 15 minute high altitude fireworks display that's set to music and it's viewable from any uh, location all along the inner harbor. So from the west at Ireland Park all the way along the Music Garden, uh, HTO Park, of course, at Harborfront Center, right in the middle, and then right over to the edge with Sugar Beach and uh, the Waterfront Promenade. There's great viewing locations in all of those spaces all the way along. Great. Will there be street closures? Yeah, there will be some street closures uh, just in order to make sure pedestrians are safe and not kind of engaged in live traffic. Um, and the TTC is free all night, starting at 7 p.m. right through to 8 a.m. the next morning. So really, it is the better way to get there, to come down on the TTC. And there are buses that will be staged all the way along to get people north uh, once the fireworks are over. Sounds good. And what time will it roughly begin? 
So we are also broadcasting it live on uh, the city's YouTube channel uh, that you can find on the link at toronto.ca. Uh, the, that will start at about 11.45 with a short intro and some remarks from the mayor and, uh, and then the fireworks start right at midnight. And what about at Nathan Phillips Square? Anything happening there? Well, I mean, we have all of the lighting displays for cavalcade of lights that are still up. They'll be there through till January 7th, and the rink is open until 10 o'clock. But in terms of activities, really, the show is down on the waterfront. So that's the place to go. All right. Sounds good. Anything else you want to add? Uh, no, except that it's free and it's brought to us uh, with some support from the Government of Canada, who are supporting a terrific Stronger Together program that is also lots of information about, available about that on the city's website as well, but a really great way to kind of mark uh, the reopening of the city and uh, the renewal of a lot of the activities that are happening. Stronger Together is a great program that also is uh, celebrating some of the um, really amazing work that uh, uh, citizens of the city of Toronto have done to support each other through um, through the last several years of the pandemic and uh, a way to kind of acknowledge. So check all that information out as well. All right. Sounds good. Gene Holmes with the city of Toronto. Thank you and Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Elsewhere, our online team has a rundown of what's open and what's closed on New Year's Day. You can find that at ctvnewstoronto.ca. And if you're looking for a New Year's Eve soundtrack tomorrow, Virgin Radio's Luke Rodriguez is ringing in 2023 live from coast to coast. You can tune in starting at 10 p.m. Virgin Radio and CTV are both divisions of Bell Media. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. Connor Bedard notched two goals in Canada's lopsided win over Austria at the World Junior Hockey Championships. Off the cross, Taper, Junior Hockey Championship in 12 games. He's even with Jordan Everly. The projected number one NHL draft pick led the offensive charge with a total of six points. After the game, Bernard was asked if he was paying attention to the record he just matched. No, I mean I wasn't wasn't thinking about it too much, but uh, you know I think some of the guys kind of mentioned it there in the third, and uh, obviously good good play by Stanks there. I think uh, you know anyone anyone could have put, put that one in, so I uh, made it pretty easy to get it. Canada ended up adding one more goal to down Austria 11-0. That was the second straight game where Canada scored 11 goals. They downed Germany 11-2 on Wednesday. The Canadians play Sweden Saturday to conclude round-robin play. The NBA has suspended 11 players following Wednesday night's brawl between the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons. And Orlando with a turn of, oh, Mo Wagner pushes Killian Hayes into the crowd. And now a melee. What is the Pistons bench? The fight broke out just before halftime after Magic forward Mo Wagner hip-checked Pistons guard Killian Hayes into the team's bench. Hayes received a three-game suspension, while Wagner will sit out two games. Eight other Magic players were suspended for leaving their bench. They'll serve the suspensions on a staggered basis, so the Magic has enough players for upcoming games. A Romanian court says controversial internet personality Andrew Tate can remain in custody for another 30 days. The 36-year-old was arrested Thursday on suspicion of rape, 
human trafficking and forming an organized crime group. Tate, who has faced bans on social media platforms for misogynistic comments and hate speech, was arrested alongside his brother and two other suspects. The brothers have been under investigation since April. Prosecutors say they found six women who've been sexually exploited by the suspects. Reaction is pouring in over the death of Canadian folk legend Ian Tyson, who died at the age of 89. Four strong winds that blow lonely. Seven seas that run high. He was best known for the hit single Four Strong Winds, released along with his wife, former wife, and musical partner Sylvia Tyson. Ian and Sylvia were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame together in 1992. CTV's Lloyd Robertson is remembering him as a remarkable artist. He was a very kind, thoughtful, intelligent, very intelligent man. And I think he, more than anyone else, um, and he's right up there, you know, with the big North American greats like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash. But I think he really understood the Canadian ethos more than anybody else in that part of the country, certainly. Because he lived it, he breathed it, he knew it. And he rode horses all of his life. Tyson won a Juno Award for Country Male Vocalist of the Year in 1987. It looks like some planned Game of Thrones spin-off series are not moving ahead at the moment. George R. R. Martin, who wrote the books that inspired the original series, shared the news on his personal blog. He said changes at HBO Max have meant a number of projects have been shelved. Prequel series House of the Dragon has already been renewed for a second season. But Martin says no other projects have been greenlit so far, and he hopes that changes soon. Avatar The Way of Water is racking up more box office wins heading into the new year. We cannot let you bring your war here. Variety reports the James Cameron sequel brought in $20 million U.S. yesterday. That made it the biggest regular box office day of the year. The second Avatar movie has already surpassed $1 billion in box office earnings. It's expected more people will be able to head to the movies this weekend after severe weather kept people home last week. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. There is no evidence of uh, working smoke alarms in the house. Updating our top stories, Ontario's fire marshal's office is investigating a house fire in Hamilton that claimed the lives of two children and two adults. Crews responded to the blaze shortly after 11 last night at a home near Rymel Road East and Upper Gage Avenue. Oh my God, it was, it was one of the worst things that I've ever seen. A man is dead following a shooting in Mississauga this morning. It happened at a park near Mavis Road and Highway 401 just before 11. When officers arrived, they found a man dead at the scene. Police say they do have a person in custody. The times we, we went through, and this, this call was a simple call. Uh, it just, uh, as our commissioner has said, this, this shouldn't have happened. Hundreds of first responders and members of the public lined Highway 400 to Barry this morning. The procession route for OPP Constable Greg Pershala, who was killed earlier this week near Hagersville. Pershala's funeral will be held next Wednesday. 
And remember to follow us on social media and keep up to date day and night through our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. And if you have a news tip, photos or video of breaking news, let us know. In business, the latest snag in Rogers' proposed takeover of Shaw is sure to dominate headlines early in the new year. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg. Shares of Rogers and Shaw Communications jumped today after a much-awaited ruling by the competition tribunal seemed to give the green light to Rogers' planned takeover of Shaw. But the Competition Bureau says it intends to appeal. The Bureau had asked the competition tribunal to block the merger over concerns it would lead to less competition and higher prices. The tribunal said the evidence didn't support that, so it rejected the concerns. However, the competition Competition Bureau had the option to appeal, and within 24 hours, it said it would do just that. New research from the Bank of Canada shows Canadians are making fewer payments with cold, hard cash. In 2021, less than a quarter of payments were made with cash, even for small transactions under $15. The researchers found Canadians used coins and bills only a third of the time. Back in 2009, cash was the dominant method of payment. Since then, though, shoppers have shifted more towards using credit and debit cards, including contactless tap technology. And North American stock markets ended the trading day and the year lower. It breaks a three-year streak of gains for markets in both Canada and the U.S. In Toronto, the losses on the TSX weren't as bad as in the U.S., where the broad S&P 500 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq had their worst years since the financial crisis in 2008. Let's take a look at some of the other closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading a hair higher at a little under 74 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained almost $2 to about $80 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select also gained almost $2 to roughly $52 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX fell about 100 points to end the trading day and the trading year at 19384 that is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. As we head into the new year, some new laws are taking effect that could impact your day-to-day -day life. As of January 1st, employees and employers will see an increase in Canadian pension plan contribution rates. Employment insurance premiums will also go up. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business estimates the changes will mean $305 less in take-home pay per worker. Here in Ontario, the new year will mean new flexibility for pharmacists to prescribe medications for a list of common ailments. The province says the change will free up doctors to help care for more complex needs. Tonight, from Pakistan, Afghan mothers and their children caught in the crossfire of cruel choices. They're really between a rock and a hard place. Their desperation to avoid deportation in their agonizing wait to come to Canada. Later on CTV National News. And a reminder, the CTV News at 6 podcast is available as a download every weeknight. And you can also listen to the show live on News Talk 1010. Last night, we told you about the gingerbread housemaker from Ontario whose creations have earned some starring roles in the movie industry. Well, tonight we're sticking with that sweet theme, only this time it's chocolate. A Simcoe County chocolatier and her delectable concoctions being noticed around the world. Here's CTV's Craig Krause. A dream, five years in the making. 
a handcrafted chocolate factory in the heart of Aurelia. But for Dawn Nita, her hopes of bringing her sweet treats to the Sunshine City were put on hold. Time off during the pandemic gave me time to put things in order in order to start the steps to get the factory opened. Stalling the brick and mortar shop and going virtual with her creamy concoctions. But the human connection was missing. I have done, by the end of this week, 46 markets from Huntsville to Toronto and everywhere in between. And it's those relationships that have built a loyal following, churning out artisan chocolate for customers around the world. I think it is one of those small treats that can be really special for someone. So here is our rack of finished products. But Dawn's creations are not your typical chocolate bars. They are garnering international attention as they faced off against the world's best in New York. My old-fashioned chocolate bar won a bronze in the Craft Maker America's competition. A bar that was inspired by the region it was made in. Starts with soaking cocoa nibs in an old-fashioned whiskey cocktail, which is made by Bar Chef in Toronto. Once we have infused the cocoa nibs, it dries out, we grind it, and then we make it into bars. And the other unique ingredient in it is sea buckthorn berries. Now as Nita works to restock the shelves at her downtown store, the grind doesn't stop. She's taking on a new challenge of teaching the next generation. I will be hosting my second class with Lakehead in January. And what we do is we go through the process of how chocolate gets made from being a pot on a tree to a chocolate bar. And then, of course, there's going to be lots of chocolate tasting as well. Craig Crow, CTV News, Aurelia. Okay, we can't stop watching the diehard skaters mm -hmm. who are out here on Nathan Phillips Square because either <laughs> skating or are they waiting at this point? I mean, there's significant puddles out there. So, I mean, good luck to all of them. Yes, quite soggy. Rain has moved into the GTA and it's going to last quite a lot into tomorrow as well. We are under a rainfall warning. Let's take a look at satellite and rainfall uh, ra radar imagery right now, that is. And you can see how we've got rain moving in along that front and it will intensify as we get into the morning tomorrow, 20 to 35 millimeters possible here for most of the GTA. So, of course, there are flooding concerns around the region. Some fog overnight tonight. Eight degrees will be our overnight temperature. I don't want to say low. We're at 11 right now. Eight degrees tomorrow. Rain wrapping up by the time we ring in 2023 at around four degrees. Five degrees for New Year's Day. All right. Thank you, Michelle. Be sure to join Heather Buzz tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Michelle and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night. Happy New Year. See you at 11.30.